Now, the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. Good morning and welcome to the Tuesday edition of the program. My name is Bobby Curran. And I am along with Liz Stacy this morning, and we are going to bring you the best in the world of sports today. I got a couple of things I wanted to start with. And the first thing is going to be the Buffalo Bills, who lose unbelievably last night in a game that they clearly should have won. And mistakes, I don't get it. Sean McDermott's team... Used to be thought of as quite disciplined. No longer. I mean, they make tremendous numbers of mistakes. This is a game that the Buffalo Bills should have won, very clearly. I mean, when you go losing to a team like the Denver Broncos, you have issues. I, I just think that's, you say no more. Yeah, they're better than they were in the beginning, but they're still not good. And and they gave away that game by, you know, by having, now listen, here's the thing. They had three downs to watch Denver get in position to kick a field goal. Why they were scrambling around when it came time to actually kick the field goal, they ended up with 12 guys on the field. And and the field goal was missed. Game over, right? No. They saw that there were 12. They got a five-yard penalty. And uh, the Denver Broncos had a chance to kick it again. And guess what happened? Yes, the second time was the charm. And it was good, and that was that. And the Buffalo Bills had no one to blame but themselves. Again, sloppy, really sloppy. They don't. There's a lot of vulnerabilities on that team. They're now five and five. This is like a lot of people's choice to win the Super Bowl. I it was never mine, but I thought they'd make the playoffs, and now I'm not sure of that. I mean, they could, but they might not. I mean, they have seven games left. I mean, they could right the ship very easily, but. From what we've seen so far, if I had a guess right now, I'd say maybe not. Maybe not make the playoffs. Just how it seems. It's uh, four minutes past six o'clock. If you have anything on that, if you have a thought about and I have a couple of little comments to make here. One of them is Josh Allen's best days might be behind him. I just don't see Josh Allen as being the dynamic player he once was. He is a poor decision maker. Um, he is not that accurate and never has been, truly, back to his days in college. He had improved a little bit for a while in the, in the pros. But I remember June Jones predicting that he would not be an accurate passer in the pros. And he's the uh, quarterback whisperer. And I, I think pretty good at gauging act, things like someone's accuracy. And that's he said very rarely do you see someone who's not accurate really improve that over time. I mean, and he did for a while, but it sort of seems like it's slowing down on him now. So I don't know what to think about that. Um, I think the window's closing on Buffalo, frankly. That's how it seems. Somebody said, don't be surprised if Sean McDermott's not there much longer. I think once I thought that would have been a ridiculous thing to say. I don't think that is true now. And it's it's sad to say because Buffalo, I thought when Buffalo was good, it was kind of good for the AFC and maybe even good for the league. And because that was a, 
you know, an historic franchise. Remember Jim Kelly losing four of those, four Super Bowls. I mean, I still like Jim Kelly. I I, I know that some people are going to consider that a huge record of failure, but I like Jim Kelly. I always did, and but I don't think I'm going to say it right now. I don't think old Josh Allen's as good a quarterback as Jim Kelly was. That's just my take on it. Uh, you might have a different thought. It's 808-296-1420. The league is getting much, much tougher to decipher. I mean, if you you go right now and you can tell me who's in the playoffs, you're a better person than uh, most people I talk to because almost no one else has any sure feeling about who ends up in the playoffs. I mean, we can take a look at the standings and and sort of gauge things, but I don't know if any of it gives you um, a real feel of security that you're onto something. Now, that's just my take on it. I'm not seeing it. And if you have, if you have a sure thing there, I want to hear it. Uh, go ahead and give us a ring. I'm just taking a look. I, I think there's some teams that I feel really good about. Someone was asking this morning on, uh, I think it was uh, on Greeny, they were going into this thing about who of anybody is going to be uh, better than Josh Allen. Who, in other words, what teams would keep their own quarterback rather than trade for Josh Allen? And I couldn't hear quite what he said. I got distracted momentarily in the car. But I, I, I think he did not include... Tua Tango Vailoa, I might be wrong about that. But he only had a handful of guys. I mean, a very, very small number. Justin Herbert, he thought the uh, he thought the charges would keep him rather than trade for Josh Allen, Mahomes, and Kansas City. There were very few, though. J Jalen Hurts. Um, I don't know if uh, Tua, Tua was on the list or not, but he should be because I would never trade Tua for Josh Allen. He's younger. He, uh, he's a much, much more accurate passer. I, I just don't see that one at all. And you might. And then if you do, wh who would you trade? I mean, what teams would trade for Josh Allen? Their own quarterbacks. Uh, are they out there? Like, we, do you think the Houston Texans at this stage would trade the 23-year-old uh, C.J. Stroud for him? I think not. I think absolutely not. And I don't see why anybody would trade him for him. And uh, let, let's get to a couple of things that are interesting. Now, I'm just going to go through the standings and in, in, in the NFL because I do think it's quite interesting. Okay, let's get to the AFC East. I think Miami is going. Miami is 6-3, and three, but I just think right now they're a better team. The teams will play. Buffalo and Miami will play again in Miami. And I'm going to like Miami in that game. So I think that Miami is going to win. Uh, no one else is really in contention. I think Miami will win the AFC East. And I'm not sure. Uh, here's the question. Does, does two, two, do two teams go from that division? I think not. I think probably not. Uh, let's face it. New England is god-awful. The Jets are 4-5, and five and they're holding it together with, you know, I don't know, duct tape. Uh, but at this point, I don't think that Aaron Rodgers... If they're not in it, it's crazy for Rodgers to come back. He's talking mid-December. Well, we'll see if that happens. Okay. In this AFC South, I think Jacksonville and Houston are pretty good, going to give a pretty good run. I think Indianapolis is going to have a hard time. They're playing well, 
and they're they're five. I think they're five and five, but I think they're going to have trouble sustaining that. Houston's uh, half a game up on them at five and four. In the North, all right, Baltimore probably, but Cleveland just made that a closer contest. I think Pittsburgh. I'm not ruling them out. They're both six and three, and even. Cincinnati is five and four, and you couldn't really say they're out of it either. That's probably the best of of the AFC divisions. That's the best. That's the best one. Okay, NFC. Let's get to this real quick. Philadelphia is probably going to win the East. You know they've got a substantial lead over the Dallas Cowboys, who are uh, six and three. So it's a two-game lead with the Philadelphia Eagles at 8-1. and one. The other two teams, Washington and New York, out of it. Okay, in the South, I, this division is wide open. New Orleans is leading at 5-5. Five and five. Tampa Bay, 4-5. and five. Atlanta, 4-6. and six. Carolina sees them all. Set North, that's Detroit's division. Detroit, 7-2. and two. Uh, Minnesota currently six and four. I'm not sure how far they can go on the arm of Josh Dobbs. We'll find out, I guess. Green Bay and Chicago both out of it. In the West, San Fr- it's still San Francisco. Uh, I, in my book, they're six and three. They're tied with Seattle currently, and both the Rams and the Cardinals are way back. So there you have it. I, I just think that you there are some surprises. I would say Indianapolis is a surprise to me. Certainly Houston is a surprise. I don't see how you could see it another way, but uh, because the Houston Texans have played well behind C.J. Stroud. I mean, they're only a half a game, or they're a full game, behind Jacksonville. That one is not yet decided. All good fun, and I am happy to see that. Uh, Let's say you can win $1,000 grand prize in cash and a $100 weekly prize in ESPN Honolulu's Pigskin Picks, brought to you by M. Dyer Global and Young's Fish Market. Visit ESPNHonolulu.com right now to register. Good morning again, and welcome back. Uh, to our Tuesday show, we have our special guest right now from ESPN, Roxy Bernstein is with us. Roxy, how are you? Bobby, how you doing? I'm doing good. I, I am really, this is a special day here because it's the opener for the University of Hawaii basketball team. They are going to take on UH Hilo today, which is usually a game Hawaii uh, wins handily, but not always. There's been a couple of uh, incidents and accidents over the years. and uh, But I am paying a lot of attention to the start of this college basketball season. I know it won't be long before we see you out here uh, for the Diamond Head. I can't wait. I mean, it's we're almost a month out. And I know it moved up in a, a day earlier, which I'm more than good with. So I, I can't wait to get out there. And the field this year, Bobby, when you look at it, 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 it's a little, it's got, it's a sneaky feel to it. There's some good teams coming out, and there's some good storylines. I'm anxious to to get a look and see, for example, Damon Stoudemire coaching Georgia Tech coming out for that tournament. Temple is always an interesting program, so. I think we're going to have a lot of fun that week of the Diamond Head Classic. I'm, I'm with you. Hawaii's going to open with Portland, I believe, in that one. And Portland's a team that can knock people off and has. So it'll be interesting. I, I looked at the scores coming in. I had this conversation with you when we booked you. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing a lot of blowouts. 
But you think, and you said your point was that you just think that they're, some of the really good teams are playing teams that are frankly overmatched. It's just, I, I think people are scheduling wins, right? That they're trying to pad the record early, kind of ease into the season. When you look at some of these uh, mismatches, um, there's been very few of those marquee games early. Like I was fortunate to be in South Dakota last week to see Baylor and Auburn play. And, but that was like the, of the first few days of the season, the only power conference matchup really. And then we got a good one on Friday when Duke and Arizona met at, at Cameron indoor and a great win for Tommy Lloyd in Arizona going back to beat Duke. But I just think that teams are looking to schedule wins early in the year before they beef up the schedule. And, and I told you that I think that you have to consider, I think, NIL and the portal in, with some of these because I'll give you an example. Mm -hmm. UC Riverside has a had a terrific player who would have been coming back this year, Zion Pullins, and he's decided to go and because he got a big payday, I think, from the University of Florida, if I have that school right. So, uh, you know, I just think inevitably when you get – over, over time, when you'll lose your best player, if you're, say, a mid, kind of a mid-major type school, as I think most people would classify most of the Big West programs, I think and you have a really good player and he's, you know, he's poached by, you know, a powerful team, whether it be Big Ten, SEC, Big 12. I, I just think sooner or later that's going to that's gonna exact a price. Well, at some point, to me, Bobby, this model is not sustainable with the NIL, and let's face it, it's, it's not supposed to be a pay-for-play model, but that's what it's become. Yeah. Very few of these NIL endorsement deals are of what I think the mindset was when this was instituted in terms of actually doing work, whether it's commercials and sponsorship stuff, Instead of having some significant donor, okay, here, here's 50 grand, we'll put it into the collective for this player. And, but until, uh, until Congress gets involved in legislation, this is going to be the system that we have. But I just don't see how this particular model is sustainable considering what's the return for the people that are, are putting the money in. And I, I just don't know the benefit long term if this. And what are the repercussions? I mean, this, they've really, the NCAA fell asleep at the wheel. They opened Pandora's box and they don't know how to put everything back in. Oh, I, I hear you. I, I don't disagree with that at all. I think here's the, the operative thought. Okay, if you get a guy, say a Zion Paul, it's a good example. Let's mm -hmm. say that gives you three extra wins in the course of a season. If he's good enough to be that guy that he can contribute to three extra wins, that could affect your seating, which could affect how far you go in the tournament. I think there are boosters who would say, yeah, you know, we can get to the elite eight by, by giving a guy 50 or a hundred grand. It's well worth it. And, and we've seen that happen, right? When the, the one thing I will say is, a lot of the kids, like, for example, Zion Pullen from Riverside got his degree. So he's a grad transfer and taking advantage of that extra COVID year. So for somebody like that, I understand it. It stinks. There's no doubt about it. It stinks for Mike McPeo and Riverside because they invested in this player in terms of developing him, giving him a scholarship. 
And then as soon as he has the opportunity to go, he goes. Yeah. And he, he takes the money, and I don't blame the kid because they're just taking advantage of what the system is right now. And you see Riverside loses in the process, but unfortunately, until there is better guidance, this is what it's, what's going to happen. And it's not just him. Look what UC Irvine lost, right? Russ Turner lost a couple of guys. They're chasing the NIL dollars because Irvine doesn't really operate in that landscape. Sure. And for the, for the most part, the Big West doesn't. Um, some schools do. I know Hawaii has a little bit. I know Santa Barbara has a little bit. But for the most part, it's only the powers conference schools. Yeah. And even, like, for example, as good as Gonzaga has been, but recently, Gonzaga and WCC, they have a significant financial impact as far as the NIL dollar goes. I mean, Drew Timmy, which was mind-boggling to me, Bobby, because Drew Timmy, who had still another year at Gonzaga because of the COVID year, if he wanted to come back, didn't. But he was making more money, from what I understand, at Gonzaga than he is professionally right now. You're kidding me. I didn't know that Gonzaga could, you know, put not just the toes in, but uh, both feet, apparently. Oh, yeah. Well, in, and in defense of, for example, Drew Timmy's deal with Gonzaga, his was legitimate. Like, he was doing commercials. There's a, there's a big casino that's in the Spokane area that had signed an endorsement deal, for example, with Drew Timmy for a significant amount of money. Um, but he was actually doing, like, commercials and work, and he was a spokesman for them. So, to me, that was a legitimate deal. It's not one of these pay-for-play scams that some of the, the schools are working. And he also, for example, did commercials for a local furniture store. So, uh, Drew Timmy's was, like, legit. This is what the rule was intended for. And he should benefit from his name and likeness. And we know how crazy... Spokane is for Gonzaga basketball. Sure. But Drew Timmy is, I think, the exception to the rule. Okay, but let, let me just get to another one. Sometimes a team, mm -hmm. and they may, Bill Self and the Kansas Wildcats may have bought themselves a national championship because Hunter Dickerson is not an average player. He's, a, he's in beast mode, and he is going to make a huge impact on that program. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and when they enter the portal, all of a sudden they put their name out there. So that means anybody can go recruit him. So he was at Michigan, and I know there was some frustration at a last season from Hunter Dickinson toward Michigan and, and Jawan Howard. And it was pretty well known. Um, so when he went into the portal, he basically was going to the highest bidder. Sure. And Kansas has a great NIL collective and package that they offer Dickinson and they're viewing it as money well spent. And, again, it is as shady as it appears, Bobby, this is legit now. This is the way we have college athletics until the system gets changed. And I agree with you 100% the system is really flawed. Do you know by any chance or have a good idea of what Dickinson made on his NIL? I don't know. I've seen reports, but... It, it, that's all it is. People are speculating, and who knows? And let's face it: a lot of these kids, Bobby, they have to be exaggerating, right? That they're are they really getting this amount of money? And I just don't see how that is sustainable, and yeah. why somebody would pay that kind of money. I mean, you alluded to okay, 
the money that could flow into the university and it could help them make a deep tournament run. But at the end of the day, I mean, these are kids and they could be, Hey, they could be claiming, oh, I got a half a million dollars from these guys. When in reality, they probably got far less. And are they uh, including their cost of attendance in that money? Are they including the, the, the value of the scholarship when they say what they're getting? I don't know how a lot of these kids, plus I think there's the tax ramifications they have to deal with that sure. they need to <laughs> account for, and I hope there's people advising them so they don't get in trouble with the government. No, I hear you. That's a possibility. But I, my thought is if someone said that, that Hunter Dickinson is getting – Three hundred grand—that wouldn't seem crazy to me, because no. I think, from from my point of view, this is a guy that very few of the players that you know go and take money from a school are going to be able to get them get them to a national championship. But with the other pieces that Kansas has, I don't think it's impossible in that situation. No, no, and you also wonder what it means—you know, the what the locker room like when okay, this kid is this kid's getting this much. But yet I'm not making as much as that guy. Is there jealousy? Is there any animosity in, in the locker rooms these days? It, it really has, I think, made it an uncomfortable space for a lot of people to operate in. You know, I used to think that would happen with the pro teams, but it really hasn't. I mean, that I can tell. I mean, guys might be a little jealous, but it, they can't do anything about it. If you're on the Golden State Warriors, and you know, are you going to be just dying of jealousy because Steph Curry's making $50 million a year. I mean, you know, he's the best, he might, he might be the best guard in basketball. So I think you just have to live with that. If guys are better than you, then they're going to be getting more money. I mean, I think that's, that, that seems pretty, you know, pretty simple to me. Yeah. And it, it, I, I think that, you know, for example, I mean, Caleb Williams is making a significant amount of money to play quarterback at USC. Sure. And from what I understand, he's been very generous about taking care of his teammates, too. It's not just he's in for himself. And he also has some legitimate sponsorship deals. You, you see him on national campaigns and billboards for Wendy's. Oh, yeah. Right? He had a deal with United Airlines, for example. So, but he's also, from what I hear, been uh, taking care of his teammates as well. He's not just in it for himself. Well, I mean, I, that kid is going to be, I, you know, people are saying maybe Drake May, but I kind of think Caleb Williams is, is going to be the first quarterback taken. You, your thought? Yeah, I'm with you 100%. He, he's special. His creativity, his ability just to make plays when things break down. The reason USC is struggling this year, at least by the standards that we had for them, it's not because of Caleb Williams in the USC offense. Yeah, the problems are on the defensive side. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, I want me to get back to basketball, yeah. uh, you know, to, to, to college basketball as we see it right now. I don't know if you found this surprising, but after having watched St. Mary's in our exhibition game against them, and they beat Hawaii very thoroughly, 30-some-odd points, but it was, uh, it was a clinic. I mean, that was such a typical Randy Bennett team. They were so good. I mean, so good at the fundamentals. They just don't make a lot of mistakes. And then I see that they lose to Weber State. I just, at home, no less. I just thought, you know, here's the thing. You're dealing with 18 to 21-year-olds, and you're going to get a certain number of things that are just not predictable. And that's very true. And I'm with you. I actually watched yeah, the, the Hawaii game against St. Mary's because uh, I had nothing better to do on that Friday night than sit in front of my uh, 
my computer and watch ESPN Plus. Uh, plus, I wanted to. Oh, I don't. Kanoa didn't do that game, right? I think he was off with football. He was off with football. But that backcourt that St. Mary's has with Augustus Marshallonis and Aiden Mahaney is fantastic, and that's as good a backcourt duo I think as there is, not just in the WCC but the country. USC might have the best backcourt with Isaiah Collier, the stud freshman who's going to go top five in the draft, and Boogie Ellis, but. That's what Randy Bennett teams have been. They don't beat themselves. They stick to their style. They're going to pick and roll you to death. And they're just going to do what they do. Yeah. And there's a reason why they were picked to win the WCC this year and not Gonzaga. Yeah, which amazes me because a lot of times, you know, with the especially people who rank these things, is round up the usual suspects, but maybe not so much. By the way, we're talking to Roxy Bernstein from ESPN, who's got, I'm assuming, a pretty full slate of college basketball this year. Oh, yeah. I got a busy stretch, too. I was in, uh, well, South Dakota last week. Got to see Baylor and Auburn. Speaking of freshmen, Baylor has an amazing freshman. And Jacoby Walter, he is also going to be taken very high in the NBA draft. And Scott Drew just reloading, but I've seen a lot of the Pac-12 so far. I've got Stanford against Santa Clara tonight. Um, I'll see Arizona State Thursday night. And then I have a doubleheader on Friday. I'm heading to Vegas for St. Mary's, San Diego State. And then Washington and Xavier in the Vegas main event. So... I'm a busy guy, and I love being busy. You know that. Yeah, that's for sure, and it'll be fun when you're out here. Again, it's become a tradition now for you to be out uh, doing the uh, Diamond Head. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah, it has become a tradition. It's like if they, if they, if they ever got took me off that tournament, I don't know what I'd do with myself. Right. Well, you, I know one thing. You'd be lobbying to stay on it. And, exactly. Uh, as you should be. Roxy, we'll let you go. We'll let you get off uh, to some of your prep work. Um, I'm hoping that Hawaii does as well as a uh, couple of the teams you'll be uh, kind of looking at this week. I'm anxious to see. Are the, are the Bows the, the last team, Bobby, in the country to, to play a game? I don't. Uh, an official game, maybe. I mean, because I'm looking around, and I can't see a lot of teams that haven't played yet. I mean, some teams have even played as many as, I think, three or four games. Yeah, no, no kidding. Hawaii's really had difficulty scheduling in the non-conference this year. And, in fact, they, they, they have a game against no, uh, Niagara a uh, day after this uh, one, and that just, the contract was signed four days ago. Yeah, I saw that. They had that game added. And yeah. they're not alone. I've talked to a couple of actually coaches in the Big West. As you know, my brother-in-law is the head coach at UC Santa Barbara, and they had a very hard time scheduling games. He tried to schedule some Pac-12 teams. They wouldn't play him. Now, he played him in a closed-door scrimmage, but they wouldn't play him because the justification that they had was their RPI will not reflect how good of a team they are. Yeah. And it's a game they could possibly lose, and they don't want to lose it but also take that RPI hit because their RPI is probably going to be somewhere in, in the 100 to 125 range. But they've had a very difficult time scheduling games too, so Ron Gannat's not alone. No, and uh, I saw that Santa Barbara lost to UTEP uh, last night. And yeah. so your brother-in-law is 0-2, I believe. Yeah, but he hasn't had – A.J. Mitchell hasn't played yet. 
Uh, he was dealing with an ankle injury. They're hoping to have him back at some point this week. He's very close to coming back. If they had to play him last night, Bobby, they, he probably could have. Um, they just want to make sure that he's healthy and ready to go because they got to get him ready for league. And this was the preseason Big West Player of the Year. Um, he does his also his backup point guard is out right now. So he was down to about seven or eight healthy guys to play last night and didn't have a point guard. That's why when you look at the turnover numbers the first couple of games, why they've had a very difficult time taking care of the ball. Sure, I hear you. Uh, Roxy, thanks so much for coming on with us. Have a have a good couple of weeks because you will be busy, as you said. And look forward to seeing you, Bobby. Thanks. Roxy Bernstein from ESPN. We have to take a quick timeout, but when we come back, I want to give away a couple of tickets to Wahine Volleyball Friday versus UC San Diego. So get ready to dial, and uh, we'll take the third caller. Uh, you might as well just dial now if you want to. We'll be right back on ESPN Honolulu. Congratulations to Christopher from Eva Beach. He's got a couple of tickets for the Rainbow Wahine against UC San Diego. And I think, is that the Friday or the Saturday match? That's Friday, so enjoy it, uh, Christopher. And 39 minutes past the hour, if you have something, uh, you can uh, chip in with uh, a call or a text, 808-296-1420 is that number. Um, this was interesting. We started off with this. I thought this might drive a few more calls or text because I think it's interesting when you talk about which guys. If you were a te- an NFL team, would you, who's – would you trade your quarterback for Buffalo's Josh Allen? And uh, a, a brief sampling uh, from Mike this morning, Mike Greenberg, I, I noticed that a number of people uh, would trade their uh, would trade their guys, but not the ones you would think not. For example, not, not Pat Mahomes, not Justin Herbert. I mean, a couple of guys seem to be – Pretty solid with their teams, not Jalen Hurts. I, I can't imagine someone would trade uh, Tua Tango Vailoa for him because I don't think he's as good a player. He's not as, first of all, he's not as young, and he makes more mistakes than Tua does. I'm just saying. I just think that much is obvious. And now that uh, uh, Devon Ashane is going to be back with Miami, look out. I, I just think the Dolphins are a team. That really could go to the Super Bowl. I mean, I, I'm not. Uh, that's not hyperbole. I do think that's quite possible. I just think it's not just Tua, but Tua is a big part of it. But there, uh, I just think Mike McDaniel's is a tremendous play caller and a very creative offensive mind. And I believe that uh, they have the roster to get there. Now, I don't know that they're always as good on defense, but uh, but they're in good shape to win shootouts at this point. With the roster healthy, and um, you got if you have Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill, along with uh, a Shane, and you know the pretty running cores, running back core is pretty good. I, I just think they can do some things to you that uh, are very tough to plan for. You have a thought on that? Give us a jingle. Uh, Six forty-one on this. Tuesday edition. I just want to let you guys know I'm not going to be here for the next few days. I'll be in Phoenix. I have to go back uh, for testing. Hopefully this will be uh, the last time for a while. I, I this I'll have my one-year anniversary 
And that usually means that's on the 18th. And on your one-year anniversary, uh, they pretty much slow it down. You don't have to go back all the time. Certainly not the once-a-month deal. So I, I think it'll be every three or four months to go back. And we actually have a doctor here that they uh, will accept as an occasional stand-in for them uh, in Phoenix. So, uh, But so just know that I will be with you most of the time from here on out. 41 minutes past 6 o'clock. Go ahead if you have something. Uh, you, I'd love to hear people weigh in on this. Would you trade, if you're the Miami Dolphins, would you trade Tua for Josh Allen? I My answer is hell no. I wouldn't. But I also understand that I'm probably a little biased. I do think I've been rooting and following Tua since he was at St. Louis and then through his days at Alabama where he absolutely became a star overnight uh, when he came in and won the national championship game against Georgia and uh, as a freshman and then beat out Jalen Hurts and sent him scurrying off to Oklahoma. Um, I, I just think that Tua is a terrific, healthy, a big issue with him was could he stay healthy, but he has. Uh, and, and that included a lot of lessons, jujitsu, et cetera, on learning how to fall. And uh, but obviously, so far it's been effective. Let's. I'm finding some something made out of wood here to knock on, to because I I think it hinges. I don't think Miami's going to go very far without Tua. And I think we've seen that when he's had to have a substitute come in uh, for him when he's hurt, they don't do nearly as well. Uh, so I do think it's probably something you would uh, need to uh, need to know. You got uh, Kent on the line. Hi, Kent. Hey, good morning, Bobby. How are you doing? Doing well, thank you. How are you? Man, I always keep reminding myself how good it is to have you back on the radio well, in the morning, you. even if it's just an hour. Thanks. You know, I wanted to comment about the um, NCAA, yeah? Because it seems like when we talk about, quote-unquote, in this day and age, we like to talk about how the, you know, the NCAA or maybe even Congress even should come in and and, and uh, make some kind of act. But, you know, I like I like mentioning one coach's name today, and that would be Jimbo Fisher, okay? Yeah. Jimbo Fisher is going to get paid for many, many, many more years to the tune of, I think, $75 million from Texas A&M to get fired, right, and not coach. I mean, look at the kind of monies these Power 5 coaches who get fired will continue to make for years on end. And yet we, like, have Congress intervene because of these players finally getting some of that action? No, I you know? it doesn't quite seem equitable, does it? Yep, and that's that's what I think, you know. And I don't like pool race cards or nothing like that. But we see who the most po- who, who the most paid ones getting fired and living happily ever after. And we see now who are the NIL deals, the players getting chains and getting images and all these things. Yeah, your 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 guest today talked about Drew Timmy and what a great American story and he being the exception. But brother, in this day and age. I wouldn't be surprised if the NCAA tried to flex that these leagues and TV deals no get together and make their own farm leagues in the future. No, you I know, don't. I, I, I think everything's on the table regarding that. I've, I've thought for a long time now, and it comes up periodically, that the power, some of these Power Five conferences, and they might not even take everybody with them, might not be the whole conference, say, in the Big 12, might not be the whole conference in the SEC, but they might depart, there might be a schism where the top teams would just depart in a huge money grab. 
I don't think that's I don't think that's impossible. I don't think it'll be I don't yep, think I it'll agree. be next year, but I think in the future I think it's possible because it seems like unbridled greed drives everything now. Oh yeah, it's coming, Bobby. Hey, thanks Seth, for taking my call. Yeah, love to have you. Thank you. Forty five minutes past six o'clock. If you have something you want to weigh in on, I mean, I, I just, it's mind-boggling because the figure I got is $77 million for Jimbo Fisher. But really, what's $2 million between friends? I mean, $75, $77. It, it's obscene either way for a coach to be walking with that, for a university that could use that money for many other purposes besides to pay an outgoing football coach. Think of this. Someone else reminded me that at Texas A&M, they're given two- and three-year contracts to assistant coaches. Those have to be paid off. So you are going to be paying off a ton of people for a long, long time. I, I can't remember. I did see this certain amount of money that Jimbo Fisher has to get within – I don't know, 30 days or 60 days, something like that. And it's about $30 million. And then he gets $7 million a year forever. I mean, not quite forever, but for a long time. So I just, yeah, is that is that a good use of your money? And someone said, you know, at Texas A&M, where there's a ton of oil money, they'll sit back, pour themselves a bourbon, light up a stogie, and uh, they'll sit back and laugh about this. This is not going to cost anyone their next meal. At Texas A&M. However, is it an appropriate use for monies that could be better spent elsewhere at the university? Um, I think you could make a strong argument that it's not. I don't mind a guy getting paid, uh, you know, paid off even as he leaves. When, when a guy gets, you know, some people think it's outrageous that a guy's getting, you know, $4 million on the way out the door. That, that, seems, uh, that seems fairly menini to me. I mean, I, you remember, you'll all remember this, but when Greg McMackin was let go here, it was a big question about how much he'd take with him. I think he had, I want to say, 1.1 left, and he ended up settling for like 600. I mean, these are approximate figures, best of my recollection, which isn't what it used to be. But, but I mean, he got a good amount, you know, nice, a nice departing gift, but it wasn't crazy, and people screamed like murder here. Well, is anyone screaming at Texas A&M with a guy walking with 75 to $77 million? If not, maybe he ought to be. Uh, that's all I could say. Let's do this. Let's take a quick time out. We'll be right back. This is the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. Welcome back on this Tuesday edition, the up opening night at the Stan Sheriff Center for Aran Gannat and the Rainbow Warrior basketball team. I have spent a couple of days recently at practice, yesterday included, and uh, that team looks good. They look sharp. They look aggressive on defense. Um, they are, I, I would say it's the maybe the most aggressive defensive team he's had, and they've been really good statistically defensively, but they are in people's faces. 
I, I'm anxious to see how it translates to real games because I, I do think you get to know each other. You anticipate a little bit. That happens because you know basically the offenses that they're running. So I, I think it'll be a little different when it's real, but I don't think this will change. I don't think the aggressiveness and the ability to get pressure on people, I don't think that's going to change. I think that should be really interesting. I'll see how well UH Hilo can handle that uh, tonight at the Stan Sheriff Center. 7 p.m. is the tip. I, I think this will be – I think this is going to be a good team. Uh, and I, I've said that uh, going back some. I think this will be a very good team. In time, when they all get it together, might take a few games to uh, to really find their rhythm. But I do think there's better depth than we've seen traditionally here. And I, I remember this about Riley Wallace. He used to say this all the time. He used to say, yeah, we go 10 deep. But I'm telling you, by the time this – and I, I had 20 years with him. I, I can tell you this. Once the season got underway, that got whittled to 9, to 8, to 7, and sometimes to 6. I would say the the biggest rotation I can ever remember him having as a regular thing was seven players. Now, I, I, I like a little more than that, maybe eight, possibly nine even. But I think the people who play 10 or 11, it's, that's rare. You don't see it very often. I think that you know, there's a reason for that because some of these guys are a little ahead. And you can't afford to constantly get your backup guys ready for prime time while you're playing competitive games. It's hard to do. You might get a chance sometimes. You'll get out in front and you figure you can do it, but it's not always the case. And I think this is going to be a really fun uh, season. They're going to be going off on the road very shortly. And uh, on the 22nd, they'll be gone till December 1st. They've got a couple of games in California. And then they'll go up to play the University of Utah. And that will be a tough game. we got L.A. Ralph. we have time? Hi, Ralph. Hey, good morning, Bobby. What's up? Wouldn't it be nice to have alumni that could pay that much money to to um, let Jimbo Fisher go away? You know, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, that's, that's it's not a, just alumni. That's oil money right there. Right. Exactly. That's Texas money. And, and it's like Hawaii don't have that. Even with the alumni, it's like, you know. We don't have enough football alumni, uh, rich alumni to, to, to. I remember you say USC had approximately like $4 million per player, uh, a lot of scholarships for them. Yeah. You know, and every and scholarship like, is in, every position is endowed there. Right. At, at it's, like, you know, it's really something. Hey, yeah, I'm, so, it, I'm sorry I got you so late, Ralph, because I am flat out of time. I got to go, but uh, call again when I'm back on Monday. That will wrap us up. Thanks to Liz Stacy. Sports Animals up next for all of us at ESPN Honolulu. I'm Bobby Kern. Aloha.